You're listening to the Man Overseas Podcast, a show that explores methods and ideas to help you live a bigger life. You will hear interesting stories of how people live, how they save and invest their money, and why having time wealth is better than being a billionaire. If you are entertained, educated, or elevated, be sure to hit the subscribe button. We're just getting started. Now here is your host, Brad D'Antonio. Hello, friends. Let that be your welcome for the next 90 minutes or so. I appreciate you joining me. My guest today is Brian McGeehee. He is the owner of Gator Coolers, a fast-growing cooler business that he started with his brother Mitch. Gator is better than Yeti. That's not their slogan. That's an opinion, which incidentally sounds like a slogan. You'll enjoy this episode if you like a good underdog story. It's a tale of two brothers who have that dog in them. We talk about it all the time on this show. They're absolute grinders who aim to do great things, not just for themselves, but for their families, for their local community. We also get into our affinity for alligators, no surprise there. Those giant lizards who lurk in the monster soup. Brian will tell you they will eat you, and that doesn't keep Brian from swimming in the same waters and bathing his kids in those waters. You may be wondering if you guys talk politics. Well, we do. Not a lot, but it is revealed that at least one of us believes the 2020 election was stolen. And we'll discuss why one of us believes that. And wait till you hear the story about Miss Liz at the Eastside Walmart. <laughs> if not for Miss Liz, Lady O and I don't get the pleasure of meeting Brian's wife, Emily, who we're quite fond of. They have three kids together. Fun discussion with a man who's becoming a fast friend. Please enjoy my chat with Mr. Brian McGeehee. Brian, thank you for joining me here in the Big Easy, man. I yes, appreciate sir. you being here. Thank you, man. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come by. I've had an obsession with alligators since I was a kid. Even now, driving the highway, I find myself looking out the, the window into the swamps to see if I can catch a glimpse of an alligator. What is it about alligators that captures our hearts so much? I really don't know, but it's, it's funny you say that because everywhere in the country that I've been, people literally just think it's amazing we have lizards in the water that would eat you or eat your pet it's just just it's different so why did you name your company gator coolers uh man is a i just we trapping's been a part of our life for a while uh south louisiana obviously is a, a big deal for us i love the whole culture around it um alligators in general are cool to me and i feel like i could really make that into something marketable or something, you know, something cool and could go a bunch of different ways. Instead of a, a typical, you know, cool coolers, LLC. No, I just, I wanted to make it something cool. Well, it is cool. So trapping, what does that mean? Uh, literally trapping alligators or nutrirats or whatever the target might be. But instead of hunting or fishing, trapping just another, I guess, verb or however you want to describe it. And is that something your dad was doing when you were a kid? No, actually... It started with Mitch, my brother, who's also uh, owner of Gator. His wife, girlfriend for a long time, wife, uh, her dad is the land manager. And um, long story short, we got into a lease. We were doing it for a while, but then we got our own lease probably 12, 15 years ago or so. And when you say a lease, that's like a camp that you can go trapping? Yeah, 4,600 acres, 4,300 acres, something like that. And we have a camp out there in alligator season every year. We fill the tags, um, fishing, deer hunting, hog hunting. Just general hanging out spot. Why alligators? 
Are you eating them? No, it well, it depends on who you're selling it to. Um, for us, we sell it whole because I had a full-time job. Mitch had a full-time job. My dad had a full-time job. So you get these tags from the land manager and you're obligated to fill them or make an effort to fill them. And you can either break it down and sell it, you know, sell the hide to one person, the meat to another, the feet, the head, any part of them, or you can just sell them whole for obviously a different price. And we just sold them whole. It's kind of our thing. So the government sets a maximum on how many tags you can have? I believe that's how it works. It's, so our the way it works for us is the land manager or the land company gets, let's say, 5,000 tags, and they divvy them up. Uh, to their leaseholders based on the land that they have or you might be able to earn extra tags for uh, helping set boundary lines or cut posted signs or different little odd jobs throughout the year. Sorry, <laughs> we better ought to repeat that. Uh, I think we stopped where the government gives you a limit as to how many alligators you can tag. Yeah, so the government allocates tags to the land company or the land owners, which in this case is a company. We're not the physical landowners, and then they allocate the tax to each lease, depending on how much land they have or earning tax throughout the years for different little odd jobs. You ever hear any crazy stories or anything happen to you as it pertains to alligators? Oh, there's a bunch of stories, man, but what happens in the marsh kind of stays in the marsh. (laughs) (laughs) So I was in Africa in 2016, and I met this guy. We were two hours away from Lusaka, so the middle of nowhere, and the lady I was staying with when we met the guys who worked on her property. I spent some time with him. He showed me some crocs in the in the Zambezi River, showed me some hippo, hippos. And then we get back in the car and on the way on the drive back, I asked the lady what his story was. And she said, Oh yeah, he's a real nice guy. His brother used to work here too, but just died like last week. And I said, Oh, how'd he die? And she said, Oh, he got eaten by a crocodile. And I was like, Wow. Yeah, I could not believe it. And she said, yeah, life just doesn't mean as much here. Wow. People die all the time, usually of HIV, AIDS. Yeah. But you see people getting, or you hear about people falling off of Victoria Falls into the gorge, people that get eaten by crocodiles and hippos, and it's just nuts. But the fact that his brother had taken me down to the banks of the river to show me crocodiles, and his brother was just eaten by one, I I couldn't believe it, so... Yeah, I guess what stays in the what goes in the marsh stays in the marsh. I it's like crazy. That. I mean, it's uh, everybody has their own little experiences with it, and some people are obviously crazier than others. I think we play it on the safe side a lot. We don't we don't get too crazy with it. Mm. We uh, we value our life and our families and <laughs> and our business and everything we have going. So, but you've never had a brother or a cousin that's gotten his leg eaten or anything like that. No, mm. no, and, you know, a couple of close calls or maybe a little baby one bit us when we uh catching them or something but nothing crazy what about swimming in the waters where alligators hang that's out that's a pretty regular thing isn't it yeah. i've seen that before actually the biggest gator that we've ever killed on our lease was in the pocket that our camp is in uh this season and it was literally where we have pictures from like a couple weekends before where it, we take bayou baths sometime you, know, you get out there and you get all nasty you don't really want to go into camp and take a shower and you just jump over the side of the boat, take a bar of soap, and just kind of bathe yourself. And this is literally on the mud flat where we killed this gator that was, uh, I believe it was like 11.3. Oh, my and, God. 11 feet, 3 inches. Yeah. And our, I mean, our kids are swimming there all the time. And, you know, it's that part is really crazy when you think about it. It's the monster soup it that is, you're jumping into. You can't see 
you can't see a few inches below the surface. I mean, even you take your hand and just, you know, sink it down a few inches down, you can't see what's down there. So how do you justify it? How do you put your kids in for a bath knowing that that possibility exists, that there could be a gator under the surface? Well, when you put it like that, it really sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but I guess we don't really, we don't think about that. I mean, for the most part, um, alligators or animals in general have personalities like people and they don't want to bother you um when they're when they hear a splashing most of the time they're going the other way every now and then you'll have one with a bad attitude that's looking for trouble but you try to steer clear of those your company is called gator coolers and it's spelled g-a-t-r why the, the misspelling honestly i don't know that just uh it fit at the time and i had the idea for a, a few different products and just having like a little play on words and uh, some things that we're working on right now, like it's not as cool if it's spelled right, <laughs> <laughs> especially on, on the logos and on the print and on the, the stamps and on some of the molds that we have and the watermarks on this uh, EVA foam that we're using now that we call Gator Skin instead of, you know, S-K-I-N. It's just S-K-N. Mm. It just, I don't know, it just fit better for us. I heard a story about you throwing low 90s in high school. Is that true? Maybe so. Okay. Yeah. So I wouldn't say it if it weren't true. I've, I've verified that story. Mm -hmm. But you hurt your arm, right? And there yeah. goes your baseball career. Yep. Do you ever feel like missing out on big success in sports kind of fueled you to become successful in business? I mean, I was always really driven. And I don't want to not to like focus on me, but you can tell the difference between you putting effort in and being early to practice and wanting to stay late and taking the extra reps or figuring out how to, what's different exercises to make myself better as a pitcher or as a catcher or first baseman, whatever your position. I always was driven to do that because I wanted to be the best at everything I do. And whenever I got hurt and I went from, you know, throwing pretty well, especially surprisingly well for my size, to being lucky if I can hit 70, 75, when I'm giving it all the effort that I have behind my shoulder and it's just not moving. That was a, a struggle for me to just accept that I stopped in high school. And uh, I knew I wasn't going to go through the surgery route. I didn't feel like that was worth it for me. But then I also started in college, uh, going to school for uh, pre-med, and then I changed my mind with that. I got lazy got kind of in a funk and took a job on the when the oil spill happened for a BP Horizon blowout. Mm -hmm. What was that 08? 07? Uh, somewhere somewhere around Something there. Like yeah. Something like that. I think it was 08 and haven't looked back since then. So you took a job working at a machine shop, is that right? No, I was working at a machine shop prior to that when I was going to school for a little while and then this oil spill happened and Wait, so, let's focus on the machine shop, because okay. I know that's when you met your wife, and that's a good story. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, um, that was probably my first year at Nichols. I was going to Nichols, and I was really lazy, man. I was, that looking back throughout everything that I've done, that was probably the one time where I really regret not putting 100% of my effort in. In school, I never had to do homework. I never had to study. I never had to really put effort in, and I made straight A's. But then you get to college, and there's late nights involved, and there's people involved, and there's extracurriculars involved that you don't necessarily have in high school, or the freedom, I guess. My parents don't really, hey, where are you at? Mm -hmm. What time are you going to be home? 
So why is it that you wish you had paid more attention? Is it because the accounting classes would have benefited you now? A lot of things would have benefited me more, but I, I smooth skipped over everything I should have been paying attention to in school, and I never did graduate. And now um, I'm fortunate that I work for myself, so I don't I don't judge myself on not having a degree. But my career previous to this, that would have been an impactful thing had I kept climbing and trying to move up. You know, they, they will pass you over because you don't have a degree. It doesn't matter if your degree is something useful to them. You just don't have that on your resume. Okay, so you're working at a machine shop. This yep. is, you're, what, 25 years old? No, uh, 19, 20 or so. 19 or 20? Yeah. And you told me that you were going through like a Jerry Springer year. <laughs> a whole year of a Jerry Springer episode, yeah. <laughs> I don't think the podcast is long enough for all of those stories. Yeah, a really bad year. Uh, I was going through that funk and running a machine on night shift. The lady that was kind of training me that was working the day shift, she says, hey, you need need to go talk to my friend, Miss Liz. She kind of sees the future, palm reader, however you want to describe it. And I'm like, man, that's really not my thing. Um, I don't believe in that. I think that a lot of that stuff's kind of made up. But what do I have to lose? So, <laughs> right. so then I go uh, to the east side Walmart. And in the garden center here sits Miss Liz. I get out of my car and I'm walking up. And she says, hey, are you Brian? I said, yes, ma'am. Are you Miss Liz? She said, yeah. Did you have a grandparent die? And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. Like mm -hmm. the typical, like you've Region. had sadness in mm -hmm. your life. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, I have. She said, was it uh, grandma? I said, yes, ma'am, it was. Did y'all have something with candy? I'm like squinting my eyes, looking at her. Like, what does that mean? What are you, what are you getting at? Did y'all have anything special with candy or something small? I'm actually like shaking thinking about this, but I said, yeah, I did. She said, okay, I knew it was you because when you got out your car, there was a lady that got out with you with her arm around you, and it looked like she had a bag of like some small like beans or some like small candies. And my mom's mom would always eat the nasty jelly beans and save me the good jelly beans. Mm. And when I go over there, she had a Ziploc bag full of the watermelon and cherry ones, you know. And then I'm like, holy crap, now you have my attention. Because there is no reason why you should know this at all. And we went through uh, basically my life, sitting there with her checking people out, making sure they're not stealing flowers and stuff. And I'm, I'm like, this is blowing my mind. She told me a lot more things that I really should not, nobody should know. <clears throat> then she said, well, don't worry, the relationship you're in is not the one that you're supposed to be in. And it won't be there much longer. And you're going to marry a brown hair, blue-eyed girl from Mississippi. Y'all are going to have a bunch of kids, a big house, big fence, successful life. You have a lot of positive things coming, so just hang in there. All right. Like, if you knew my grandma saved my jelly beans, <laughs> like, the, you have to know kind of what you're talking about here. And it was probably a, a year and a half or so later. Um, a hard year and a half? Oh. <laughs> A hard year. It was getting a little better. Um, I removed some of that Jerry Springerness and uh, still had a little bit lingering. And I'm at my camp, a random trip because I didn't get to go a lot at this time. I'm standing on the levee shooting hogs as uh, my brother and his father-in-law are riding around, jumping the hogs, making them run down the levee. And then this airboat pulls up. It's come pick me up. And it's my brother's father-in-law, a guy I don't know, and a girl I don't know. 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, if we always have people down, maybe it's a, obviously a boyfriend, girlfriend type of deal. I don't know who these people are. I'll introduce myself when we don't have the airboat running. But then I heard her talking, and you hear that Mississippi twang, and she had glasses and a beanie on, so I didn't know, you know. But instantly, I'm like, oh, they're from Mississippi. And we got back to my camp, and I'm cutting Nutrirat tails off. And she comes, and she, like, takes her beanie off, and she's got long brown hair. And she's got, like, bright blue eyes, and she's got this Mississippi accent. And instantly in my head, I'm, like, taken back to sitting in the garden center. Like, mm. man, nah, that can't be right. This this ain't this ain't happening. She just looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, cutting Nutritales, what's it look like? Oh, my God, and just, like, left. The next day, she added me on Facebook, and... Uh, Did she get your name? Yeah. She added me on Facebook. She claims I added her, but that's not true. <laughs> and messaged me the following day. I called her. And the second time we talked, I said, listen, something's on my mind. I have to tell you. And this is either going to freak you out or it's going to be great. But I have to tell you this. And went through the whole story about Miss Liz. She knows nothing about me at this point. Went through the whole story about Miss Liz and, you know, all this stuff and marrying a girl from Mississippi. And and I'm, like, finishing my story, and she's kind of on the other line being quiet. And she's like, so we're going to get married? I'm like, I mean, if that didn't run you off, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> and we've literally talked every single day since then. You, you haven't kissed her at this point? No, that was the second time I talked to her in my life. Wow. Like, told her, hey, we're going to get married or you're never going to talk to me again. Yeah. This was... Uh, that would freak most chicks out. It should. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a... It would freak me out if somebody <laughs> told me that. It's kind of a weird thing. But um, I don't know, man. It's just... It's been exactly like Miss Liz explained it so far. Amazing. Where'd y'all go on your first date? I guess technically the camp. <laughs> but secondary, uh, I drove to Mississippi and we went to the movies in Hattiesburg. Cool. Did you ever report back to Miss Liz? I did. I don't even know if she's still there, man. I, I drove by. I never had a contact number. It was just, hey, her friend told me that she's working these hours. And uh, I've drove by there a few times and never seen her sitting out there. And I don't want to be, you know, Hey, does anybody see Miss Liz? I would. That's so powerful because you wouldn't have recognized a good thing more than likely no. if she hadn't put that in your no, head. No, I would have never made the effort to contact back and, and say, like, tell her this whole story. Well, what about the effort you made just to drive over to Walmart and go to the garden center? I right. wouldn't have done that. Right. That's awesome. It's crazy. It's definitely a, it was a very significant part of our story. Okay. So... I've visited your offices and warehouse mm -hmm. in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Magnificent facility. How old were you when you started the company? And then tell me about the idea, like where it came from to start Gator. And then I have a question from a listener on Instagram. Whew. So uh, we started Gator in 2017. Um, I was working, I believe, in Channel View, Texas. Mitch was working... At the time, offshore for Shell, it was uh, Thanksgiving 2016. He was supposed to come in, and there was some trouble with a, uh, I guess, a crew change type of deal, and he got stuck offshore for the holiday and got aggravated and like, man, you know, there's got to be a way for me to make some extra money and not have to be offshore and work so many hours. Um, at the time, Emily and I had been traveling the country, living in a camper and in hotel rooms for 
seven years or so. Seven years because of your work? Yeah. Wow. So, like, after we got married, our honeymoon was uh, going pick up our camper and working in West Virginia. Wow. And we just went straight to work. And And she has, you guys have three kids. Yeah, in the camper. Less than 300 square feet. That's that's an awesome life, though, right? There's no secrets. Yeah. (laughs) There's no secrets. But, yeah, I mean, it was very cool. We had an opportunity to travel all over and meet a ton of people. Uh, do a lot of stuff that most people, let alone most people our age, don't get to do. Um, and I think a lot of people miss out on that. They, they're staying stuck in their town and they think that, you know, they can't get outside of their little bubble. But it's a huge world out there. You don't have to go out the country to experience uh, crazy things or, or a lot different things. That's probably how you lost a lot of your accent, don't probably, you think? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I started traveling way early. And you probably miss those days now, right? Don't y'all kind of... All the time. Yeah, wax yeah. nostalgic over those days. Yeah, especially imagine. with the Facebook memories of like on this day seven years ago, you're picking apples on the campground in northeast Pennsylvania. And, you know, on this day nine years ago, you don't have no kids and you're doing your own thing at Niagara Falls or, you know, mm-hmm. but now all the memories coming up of uh, like our daughter being born and going to Illinois and missing that job and all the first experiences with her as a newborn as our first child. And then, uh, missing the friends we made and their kids that we made you know through relationships with our kids and Mm -hmm. we definitely missed the traveling it's it's hard to go from literally moving five six seven eight ten times a year to being in one spot (laughs) that was a hard transition okay so 2017 you're talking to your brother about ways that you could possibly make money yeah what happens next? mitch text uh group text with me and our other brothers there's five of us total hey i'm thinking about starting a cooler company uh, make some extra money, maybe pay my wife's car off, maybe pay for a you know family vacation later. And everybody's just kind of like, hey, yeah, congrats. You know, let us know when you get it going. Basically, we'll buy one type of deal. And I messaged him like, hey, do you need some help? Or, you know, is it a thing for you? And he's like, hey, you know, don't mind having help. Okay, well, why didn't you start yet? What are you doing? Well, I don't really have the money to start it. I don't know how to go about this. And, um, so you know what? Let's just I'll pay for the first round, and we'll see how it goes. Absolute worst case scenario: we fall on our face, and I lose out on fifty grand. I mean, fifty grand—that's how much you had to put in about. Yeah. Initially. Yeah. Wow. So he's the idea guy. You're the money guy. Yeah. And you move back home to help him, or no, not yet? No, not even close. So at the time, you know what? We're not even talking about. It wasn't a get an operating agreement. It wasn't a you know we're splitting fifty-fifty. It's a basically. I don't care what it is, put it on paper, because we don't even know if this is going to work. Neither one of us are business guys. I always tell people that he's a dumb oil field worker, and I'm a dumber oil field worker. <laughs> so we we just was winging this whole thing. Whenever it went from putting that money in, thinking I'm going to pay myself back on the first round, and then operate on house money, that's not even remotely close to how it happened. And then we got into business and started quickly learning about taxes and new fees and new insurances and new molds and minimums and just Me- everything that goes along with it. Meanwhile, what does your wife think about you putting $50,000 so, into this idea? So we had uh, we had 60 acres in Mississippi, close to her family. And for whatever reason, it was not working out for us. Like, I made a very good living in the oil field. And we didn't have a lot of expense because we lived in our camper. And I couldn't even get financed to buy a trailer. 
And Mrs. They wanted me to put like 50, 60% down. Well, I might as well pay cash for it. And I couldn't find anybody to build a house. Like it just was not working. And instead of fighting it, we just kind of like, okay, well, it didn't work. It's not meant to be right now. Let's, let's wait. And at this point, she's like, look, we have got to get out of this camper. We have three kids. We're running out of space. You know, she's homeschooling in the camper while the other two kids are like one's a newborn basically and the other one's still in diapers i know you really wanted a house but i think we're gonna start a cooler company just go with me on this and she's like are you freaking kidding me but okay let's try let's you know she's always been supportive of all my crazy ideas so they've worked out so far just knock on table real quick so then what so then we put in the money we get our first shipment coming after a long, long back and forth with manufacturers and, and nailing down the right one that we wanted to go with, uh, trying out different samples, we finally land on one. We order, you know, let's start off with these three sizes. And with these three sizes, let's start off with these three colors. Is we, this coming from China? Or? Yeah. Okay. And then it gets here, and we have a, I built our website, which was like, very fortunate that at the time my, my job allowed me to work on stuff outside of my job scope because as long as my stuff was taken care of at work they weren't bird dogging and hey you know you should be reading this code book again like i already read it i don't i don't need to so he was cool with me you know building my website doing the designing uh building pricing and costs and this everything. was a side hustle for you at this, this was point. A completely and i'd say ever since 2017 when we started probably sleeping like three hours a night has been a normal that's like a good night (laughs) because you have people all over the country all over the world that you're dealing with we have several manufacturers of different time zones and you're working on their time zones or you have to wait a whole nother day for a response you know by the time you wake up and you send them a response they're out of their office and so i'd stay up late and just get everything going we got our first shipment in man and it was we probably immaturely set our uh, notifications to the cha-ching every time we had an order <laughs> and that first cha-ching came across and I look at my phone like okay that's our buddy up the street you know like that's cool I appreciate him supporting us mm-hmm. cha-ching 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 oh okay well that's my aunts and my cousins and you know my brothers and yeah gotta start with friends and family yep cha-ching hey I don't know this guy he's from California or cha-ching hey you know this person they're from New York never heard of them holy crap, we're outside of our circle. Prior to the container arriving, we booked a New Orleans sportsman show where we would go in as a trade show. We booked a booth. I didn't know what to expect. So we paid $1,500 for this booth, and our website was almost sold out within two weeks. And I had to shut the website off. We saved our last 100 or so coolers for the show just to see if it was worth us pursuing later. We brought those coolers with us, and we sold everything we brought. Wow. Where we're surrounded by other brands, you know, Yetis, Pelicans, K2s, Kysics, XYZs. Everybody's there, and it's almost like they put us in a corner together to see if we'll fight to the death. And we're selling as fast as we can unbox them, and everybody else is selling maybe one or two at a time. Their, Their stack isn't moving, and ours, we can't keep up. So that was, we look at each other like, we need some more freaking coolers and order another container. Same thing with that one when it came in. Then we order two containers. Same thing with those two when they came in. 
Then we order two containers and a container of drinkware, and then we start kind of expanding out instead of just expanding up, or we add a different color and experiment with what would work and what doesn't work. And what are you doing to market at this point? Is it all word of mouth? Uh, word of mouth and Instagram and Facebook. We haven't, we have at this point haven't paid a single dollar in uh, marketing or advertising. Wow. Yeah. How big is your following on Instagram? Uh, somewhere around forty thousand or so. Uh, my goal this year is to get around six, up to sixty. Speaking of Instagram, there is a listener, uh, Carson Lee, wants to ask you: How did you get your first products in people's hands, marketable and desirable, when you were already competing against the much larger brand name companies? Man, if I had a dollar every time somebody made a smart comment about, "Oh, here we have another Yeti knockoff," or you know, whatever, it was tough. And it, it, when we first started, it was almost like, is it worth it to, I've never said that we're going to try to take over the market or knock Yeti off the pedestal. That's, that, you'd be crazy to, to say that. You know, they're a billion dollar company. They basically paved the way for everyone like us. They set the standard of what these things do, the expectations of performance, the expectations of uh, price, <clears throat> the quality of them. So whenever we started, I think my traveling, I have a huge uh, network of friends, and I've done pretty well with uh, my career previous to this. So I guess word of mouth traveled fast. And then Mitch working in the oil field for a long time and working for a company like Shell, uh, having the opportunity to meet a bunch of different people through working events for them. He'll volunteer for like Jazz Fest or the rodeos, fishing rodeos. We both knew a lot of people. Uh, we come from a pretty small town, relatively speaking. Uh, five boys. I think most people know us or know somebody in our... We have generations that spread a long time, right? Like uh, my brother, my oldest brother is, um, say, maybe 49 or so, 40. I don't know. Maybe, sorry, Brad, if that's wrong. And you're what? 32. Oh, wow. 17 yeah. years between you. Yeah. What town are you from? Uh, Shriver, Louisiana. Okay. Which is between Homa and Thibodeau. A dot on the map between them, yeah. It makes sense to me that if you really bust your ass in this part of the world, that through word of mouth and because of friends and family, you could really build a significant business. Yeah. It's like the old adage of all you need is, is 1,000 true fans, yep. and that's enough to, to build a a business that could support you and your family. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was really, when we started, it was word of mouth and it was just being persistent and it was very strategic. Uh, Mitch and I were both fortunate in, we never had to take a dollar, take a dollar from the company. Everything was going back into the company. We had good jobs making a living outside of this. It didn't need to pay our phone bills. So every dollar that we earned went back to growing the brand, um, which was more products or, you know, throwaway giveaways like shirts and hats and stickers and people show up at the trade show and we have, you know, a cooler full of stickers that we're throwing at everybody that comes by us. You couldn't walk around the Superdome without seeing a Gator sticker. And there's different colors, you know, just being strategic with that stuff mm-hmm. uh, to match certain times of year. I'm always thinking way ahead, thinking outside of the box. How Like Mardi Gras sounds like it's going to be canceled this year, but... Um, we started a deal for Mardi Gras where we have color changing cups with our logo and 
typically if you're riding in a parade, you can go buy these plastic cups to throw for, you know, 20 cents, 15 cents. We sell them for a dollar a piece in bundles of 20. And we make, it's almost like the underwear craze at a parade. Like everybody wants to catch a thong on a beat. And, <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like everybody's looking for the gator cup because they take the picture with the cup, they catch it take a picture and tag us and then obviously we're sharing it on our social media but then we pick somebody out of those photos and they win a free cooler from us customized however they want one of my concerns would be that everybody has a yeti cooler already Mm -hmm. what's the life expectancy of a cooler when would they buy another one or are people usually are they buying a replacement or are they usually additive are they adding a cooler to their collection i would say both yeah and you know think about like we had this conversation when we started, like there has to be an end to this tunnel at some point. But every single day, people turn 18 years old. And every single day, somebody gets a new boat or gets a new truck. Or every single day, there's a business out there that needs a really good product for their top customers or their employees at a, a you know, four million safe hours worked on a project. Uh, we really focus on the corporate and the nonprofit stuff, like the the Ducks Unlimiteds, the um, CCAs, the NWTF, National Wild Turkey Federations, and the corporate side. You know, we have a big corporate network already between my history and Mitch's history. So it's not like we're going to people or would go to people and ask them to invent a reason to purchase stuff from us. It's they're literally getting budgets for items and we're just trying to make the best possible item for that budget so i imagine you had seen a proof of concept i kind of think of this first year as like a proof of concept where you'd seen proof that you've got a viable product that's selling like hotcakes mm-hmm. how long was it from that group text message to when you decided to call it quits on your full-time job and maybe is that when you moved down here yeah. permanently yeah, we um, so that started in 2017, and I'm working on the road, and at any given point in time, I'm you know 12 hours away. Mitch really carried the weight, and his wife they carried the weight for us for as a business for that whole time. I would do all of the online stuff, all the digital stuff, all the ordering, uh, designing. I built our website. I do all of our social media. Mitch would wake up 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, go to the warehouse on his way to work, print all the shipping labels, uh, get everything ready to ship, drop off, bring what he could bring with him to, let's say, FedEx. And on his lunch break, he'd go to FedEx. But then throughout the day, his wife's making trips to the post office or UPS or whatever other carrier we have. Because at the time, we didn't have uh, shipping accounts set up to where they would come pick up from us. We didn't have anybody work in the store, so we didn't have set hours for someone to come and and pick up from us. So he really carried that the whole time I was gone. Uh, when my third son was born, that's whenever I took a job closer to home. And then I was in Mississippi for some reason. I'm trying to jog my brain here for a second i was in mississippi for some reason i I took a short-term job what was supposed to be a short-term job in geismer louisiana which is maybe an hour or so from thibodeau um supposed to be a two-week job and i ended up being there for almost two years 
and after that project they kind of kept me on at the at the gas company and uh i worked directly for them where are you parking the camper at this point at that point i was living in convent louisiana like just north of the river over there right you know 15 minutes from work maybe 45 minutes from home the five of you in a camper or are you renting a house at this point in a camper wow yeah we never did the house thing it was Dude, just I can't the, imagine it was crazy. That. what's the size of this thing uh 42 foot five slides i mean it was it was the nicest camper that we can comfortably live in i guess what's something like that cost it depends what i've learned being in manufacturing is basically everything's the same thing with a different sticker and brand behind it um and it depends on where you buy it too i drove to ohio to buy mine directly from a manufacturer so he's a volume guy he sells it for a thousand dollars markup so where it's on the lot for ninety six thousand, I bought it for forty nine thousand, something like that. But I'd have to drive to Ohio to do it. But I saved enough money to justify that. How many miles you put on that thing? Oh, bro, <laughs> I don't even know. I that don't many. even know. I, I went through a whole bunch of vehicles, and this was a. Uh, we had two campers, and so you would upgrade as you as you added to the family. Yet, actually, no, we had the first camper, and I had it almost paid off, and it would have worked. We could have made that camper work. I took a job that was supposed to be long-term in uh, Illinois, and my boss gave me a, a two-week deal. Hey, don't come to work, but get your living situated, so that way you don't ask me for any time off later. And um, there was nowhere to park the campers, but there was housing everywhere. It was a small college town. I'm like, you know what? Let's trade the truck in. It's time. Get rid of my big truck and the camper. Get a apartment. We're on a two-year job. I'm working in the office. I'm not going to get laid off first, so let's let's do it. I traded my camper in, traded my truck in. I bought a small truck and got a year lease on an apartment, furnished it out, went to work, and got laid off because the permits were wrong. <laughs> so here we are with an apartment full of furniture I don't need with a 12-month lease that I can't afford because I'm not going to stay here. Now I'm going to a different job. And I don't know. What the, I don't have a truck that can pull a camper. Like, I'm completely started over. And at that point, uh, we did get a different vehicle and, and got a actually cargo trailer, loaded it up with all our furniture, brought it to Mississippi, dropped it off, went to work in West Virginia, Met a really sweet lady, Miss Debbie Duffelmeyer, up there. She let me live in her house. Didn't even charge me rent, probably because of the condition <laughs> of it. Uh, the water was terrible. We'd had a few issues there. It was bad enough to where Emily took Izzy, our daughter, home and said, hey, call me when you get the camper. Whoa. Yeah, it was bad. It, I was like fist fighting the mice off and <laughs> the water was bad. That probably created um, a new Jerry Springer year. Oh, it was bad, man. It was bad. But uh, then we, we ordered that camper and um, got it back. And, and we were we still actually have that one in my driveway right now. With the advent of social media around, let's call it 2011, 2012, 2013, when it really got popular, did y'all think about doing that sort of thing? Like being the, the couple in the RV traveling the Not country? Never considered No, it. man. We were very... I mean, we're just simple people. Like, I'm I'm interested in the social media from a personal side and maybe uh, political. And uh, I have a hard time biting my tongue on situations. Like, I was I was very vocal on social media, but it never crossed my mind to be like a blogger or anything like that. It was just look. I wake up 4:30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I go to work all day and I come home and I'm with my wife and kids and we have our family and that's just how it was that's that was our plan was basically me work 
she takes care of the house, um, takes care of the kids, and just kind of live life that way. And we kind of had a big, big 180 starting in 2017. And that's when you started the company. You moved yeah. back to Louisiana. Did you buy a house here? In yeah, South we Louisiana? just moved. Uh, we just moved back to Thibodeau. It was right before Christmas time last year. And I called my boss. I knew they were going to have layoffs. I was uh, an in- inspector on the night shift on a turnaround. And I knew they were getting ready for layoffs, but I kind of had this plan B in mind already. And I know some of the other guys, like, that's all they do. And they didn't have another plan. So I called my boss and said, hey, man, I know y'all are getting ready for layoffs. Um, if you can, you know, put me in first. That way, you know, you don't have to lay off so-and-so and he doesn't know where to go or what to do. And I got a plan of going work for myself, thinking I'd at least get another month or so out of it. <laughs> he said, cool, Friday's the last day. I'm like, oh, oh man, uh, this is way sooner than I was thinking. That's it, it forced me to do that. So I signed the papers on the house, and probably the next week uh, I was done working. And then in January, I officially started working for Gator this year. Or, I, well, sorry, 2020. Last year, January, I officially started working for Gator full-time. Okay, so at that time, did you have a warehouse in Thibodeau, Louisiana? So we went from Mitch's garage and my parents' extra room and a random trailer in the yard, like cargo trailer, and uh, my cargo space on my camper. We upgraded to a storage unit, and we went from that storage unit to, uh, I guess it was April of 2020, we purchased the warehouse that you visited in Thibodeau. You and I went to the World Series in October, yep. and I remember we were sitting in the outfield, courtesy of local attorney Matt Ori, I should yep. say. Thank you, Matt. We were sitting in the outfield, and I remember you telling me that due to the tremendous growth of your business, you're starting to get courted by investors around the country. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's a whole different world that that I didn't realize existed. Uh, the Matt Ori's of the world, the Jeremy Landry's of the world, the Barton Howard's of the world great guys that like you you hear about them or you might hear stories from one side of the table but being able to interact with them on a personal level and see how their mind works similar to mine and seeing the consistencies and where those consistencies usually always end up it was awesome meaning that if you're consistent you put an effort in yeah it's not it's not sitting at home you know hoping for a break you're making your break you making it happen. If I'd have just sat at home hoping that people would uh, go follow us on Instagram, they're not just going to follow us. It's a consistent effort for me to post uh, specific photos that tag into specific products that we still have in inventory. And then at specific times of the day, because that's when people may be scrolling the most or you know, a certain type of product targeted to a certain type of people, you know, the ladies, for example, it, this is a, there's a reason why we do everything. And that's, that doesn't come by just hoping. And those guys don't just hope. They make it happen. And and getting calls, you know, to, um, again, just through our network, to go to California and turkey hunt. Like I, I didn't even know California had turkeys. <laughs> so you get up there, and it's like spoiled you, where it's, you know, you, you're picking which turkey you want to shoot. But in that same time, which didn't really seem like a big deal, you're meeting people that are – that could be a lifelong impact on your life. Like a mentor. Exactly. Yeah. And they know stuff that 
you're, they know that you're going to run into certain things and give you a little heads up or whether it's just uh, knowledge or monetary or, you know, physical, literal stuff, um, that kind of stuff doesn't happen by just hoping. That's right. I remember the first time I heard about you, we were, Matt and I had recorded a podcast and we wanted to do a giveaway to promote that particular episode. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to him about what we wanted to do. And he said, I want to get Brian at Gator Coolers involved and he'll give away a, cool, a, a Gator Cooler. And I thought, I love it. Let's do it. And we gave away the Gator Cooler right back yeah, here. Yeah, I recognize it now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Yep. I'd like to see you guys do a TV show of some sort. Is that is that possible, like a Duck Dynasty down in Thibodeau? Man, I don't know. You could call it Boudreaux and Thibodeau's. Or- I don't know, man. I'm in what I've had to learn and what people need to learn if they're even thinking about doing a business. It's not about what you like. It's about what people like. And it's about what uh, the consumers want with your twist on it, right? So you can't just completely go with whatever you like so let's say that you like a specific green well i can't change every single thing that i do to meet your favorite green but maybe i'll have i'll add a green to our lineup you know with my own spin on it i don't know how i can do the tv thing though i don't i really honestly i don't like the spotlight i love the fact that we go places and people have no idea who i am i'm the guy that they're like how in the world is that dude on zach brown's bus <laughs> you're understated i like that yeah, about I you love too that. And then how how is he on the plane with Matt Ori? Yeah, and you know everybody else that showed up with us. It, like how are you, how is he involved? He oh he's somebody's buddy. Got to be. I love that, and I I love going to these shows and them thinking that Mitch and I are the sales guys. Or and we joke about that actually. Uh, we we host a party in Nashville usually in February this year. Apparently got canceled, but we'll go there and you can see everybody's demeanor you can see the conversations you can see the body language everything changes when they announce us on stage is like you know thank the owners of gator coolers for all their you know contributions and they bring us up there to kind of wave to the crowd and they're like holy crap that's not like the the guys that got hired for this and i love that i don't i don't want to be hey put a camera in front of me um i run our social media stuff and I've been sprinkling in a lot of my family stuff um, because obviously we live, eat, sleep, everything Gator. So when my kids are using the products or my wife, uh, I, I do post that kind of stuff just so we're recognizable with the brand. But I don't want to make myself more than the brand is. I've noticed that you don't promote yourself a lot on the Gator Coolers Instagram. Yeah, I rarely see your face. I had to dig for that photo I found of I you I was last wondering night. where you've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it from LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. That's a great right. picture of you and your wife. Yep. But I was told before I met you on the plane that day that you were smart and that I would enjoy talking to you. And I did. You were Somebody, very knowledgeable. Somebody's uh, got some talking me up. I know you could get a cast of characters down here, oh, we man. We definitely have the crew to awesome do it. Awesome show. <laughs> we definitely have the crew to do it. I just don't know that I could do it. What about Shark Tank? Any desire to be on a show like that? Actually, man, we got through the uh, to the last round of Shark Tank for this season and kind of waiting to hear back. Nice. Yeah. So talk me through that. How does that work? As much as you can tell us. So I, I get home really late one night. Um, when we first bought our warehouse, I completely took everything out. It was an old uh, distillery that had a lot of leftover grains and mice and mold and just funk. So late nights, pressure washing and cleaning and organizing and moving stuff over from the old shop to the new shop. 
and I get home really late, sitting in my chair, and it's it reminded me kind of like that Ron White skit where he's like, "Are you sitting at home eating Cheetos? Yeah, do you want to send two thousand? Oh, never mind. You know, I thought that was me, but it's like they were talking to me. I watch, I love Shark Tank. I watch it all the time, and uh, Marcus Lemonis, uh, The Prophet. I watch I watch every episode of those that I can. Just I find it interesting, but. If you would like to apply for next season's Shark Tank, and it's like everything in the house is standing still, like, I need to apply. It's very simple. Go online, abc.com slash Shark Tank, and fill out the application. And I feel like I'd done this a long time ago, and it was a really, like, burdensome ordeal, so I just kind of skipped over it. This time, I log on, just put very, very few questions, basic information, um, hit submit, didn't think twice about it. I would say probably a month later, I got an email that I thought for sure was a spam email, one of the producers. Uh, another interview type uh, email asking other questions about the business. Like, I don't even remember submitting this online, but um, okay, answer all her questions. Probably a week or so later, she calls me and we talked on the phone for almost two hours deep diving, asking questions, how we got to where we are, you know, the story. And then she says, I'm going to send you a packet and I need you and your brother to fill this out to the best that you can. And I need you to submit this with a 10 or so minute video explaining everything. And we're going to basically show this to the executives. And if they like it, they'll invite you and fly you out to the show to be on next season. Nice. So where does that stand now? Uh, basically just in Neverland waiting for the executives to, and they won't tell you yes or no. They'll just call you if it's a yes. So I don't know, to be honest with you. I have a buddy with a startup that's doing very well, growing quickly, and he had an opportunity to record in June, and they canceled it because of COVID. Mm. So I wonder if that might be the holdup. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have a favorite shark? I'm I'm biased towards Mark. Me too. I am, but, you know, I disagree with a lot of the maybe political things that he says, but I really like his story and how he started and the hustle. And not that it, that's knocking from any of the other sharks, but yeah. um, I could see myself button heads with Kevin. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Yeah. I don't think that we'd necessarily be a really good fit for Robert. Um, Lori is... Not that she to knock her at all either, but like I don't see this as like a QVC or or any sort of business like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or Barbara, she's actually she'd probably be number two for me because she seems like she genuinely she invests in people, not just the business. She she takes more of a flyer on businesses because she believes in the entrepreneurs, uh, and it seems like she genuinely cares. I think Mark just has the money to to, to say you know what. Yeah, I'll risk it, whatever. It might work, might not work. Give me 10 extra percent. <laughs> yeah, when you think about proportions, like if you have $2 billion, right. it's like you and me <laughs> buying each other a coffee at Starbucks, you yeah, know, with the money we deal. have. Yeah. yeah. I have a buddy, Robert Leonard, who was a guest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He's the host of Millennial Investing, and he had Kevin, Mr. Wonderful, on his podcast. Wow. And I listened to it, and the entire time he was promoting his new app, which was like a robin hood type app where you're a frequent trader and and it was such a turnoff and i had i asked him on this on this show if if 
he wasn't Mr. Wonderful, would he have let him get away with that? Because I told you before we started recording, like, hey, man, try not to turn it into an infomercial. I tell tell everybody that because people generally don't want to hear it. Right. And he said, yeah, because he's famous. I I didn't. I I remember that. Yeah. He didn't interrupt him at all or anything. I don't think that you would have uh, let that slide that long. Me? No. I'm, I'm very disagreeable. And I think that's what made me successful in business yeah. is I think if you're going to negotiate and you're going to take rejection a lot, that you it, it breeds a certain disagreeableness to you. You know what made me realize that? What's About that? you? Hmm. Listening to your uh, podcast with uh, Mr. Seth. Oh, really? Yeah. I've gotten a lot of that since this episode, saying that they appreciate that I'm willing to disagree with guests. Yeah, it's not all just, you know, almost like storyline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I haven't found anything yet to disagree with you. I'm waiting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, holy crap, what did he dig up? He found a picture of me and my wife, so so what else is there? (laughs) How much does it cost to manufacture one of your coolers? Uh, that's a very broad question. Well, I'm trying to think what Mark Cuban would ask you. So they would want to know, what does it cost to acquire? Yeah, we have a lot of sizes, and there's a lot of variables that go into it. But if we're talking just general, uh, let's say the medium-sized cooler is a 45-quart. Um, deliver, and it shipping changes every single time. So uh, your ocean freight is going to change every single time. Let's say an average of ninety bucks delivered to Mondora, ready to resell. And retail is uh, two sixty-five. Nice with free shipping. Okay, so, so then the shipping's added onto that. Okay, and I imagine you buy containers worth of this stuff oh, yeah. from China. Yeah. How many in a container? Uh, again, if you if you have a container of ten quarts, you know twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. If you have a container of hundred and ten quarts, four hundred. It depends on your mix. If I if I order two containers worth of coolers, I know exactly what's coming on those. We kind of put a blanket PO out there like, hey, I want all of this and don't turn the machines off. Like as soon as it's made and that container's full, send it. Mm. So I don't know exactly what fits on what or what schedules they have with the molds. or It's going to be a little bit different. I'd say an average probably around 700 or so. And you have a massive warehouse with plenty of room right now. Yeah. So are you intending to fill it up with inventory? Yeah, and people think I'm crazy. Like, I, I, I think that our ground zero needs to be 10 containers at a time. Like, that's you start off with 10. And then uh, I guess the big hurdle for us as a business has been our main customers being post-dated checks. And cash flow has been a struggle for us to start. But you can't tell if this company comes in and wants to order $60,000 worth of your product and you're making a good margin on it, you're not going to tell them no because they want to pay you in 45 days. That's just the reality of life in America and credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's... it's Net 30 is ideal. It Paying when they pick it up is ideal for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. But we do have some other customers that are very good customers that as an organization spend... 10, 15 million plus a year on items like ours, we don't get paid for 120 sometimes, times longer than that. After their events or after their, you know, um, fundraisers are over, that's when we get paid. Okay, let's say I'm getting married and I want to buy all of my groomsmen a gator cooler. Mm-hmm. Why should I buy them gator coolers rather than Yeti coolers? Do you want the sales pitch? 
or do you want the truth or how do we how do you want we appreciate candor on this show more than anything okay so the fact of this is there's no new technology in any rotomolded cooler brand it's plastic and insulation and how long they hold ice which is the biggest pet peeve for me like oh ice retention on youtube videos that's the dumbest thing in the world to me because if you have coolers side by side and company a might choose to have you know two inches exactly of insulation with five millimeters of plastic and company b might have two inches exactly of insulation with three millimeters of plastic there's a difference there and you're talking millimeters worth of plastic shell so if you put those side by side it's not going to hold exactly the same and when you're videoing it every day company a might have one ice cube two hours after company b so now according to this video company b sucks man why would you waste your money with this business so i i'd like to tell people like just pick a brand that you like pick a brand that supports the things that you're supporting Pick a brand that uh, you can get behind and support and stick with them. If they have the size that you're needing for your particular thing, you know, maybe you're looking for a lunchbox type size. Maybe you're looking for a 250 quart to carry your elk. Pick a brand that meets your, checks all of your boxes on needs and most of your wants and just support them and stick with them. But if they're, if they're actively going out and pushing against your personal beliefs, and giving money to organizations that go against your personal beliefs or if they're anti what you live for, would you be willing to save $20 and buy something from that brand? No. That's what I'm saying. Like, just pick a brand, do a little bit of digging and pick the brand that you like and stick with them, support them. Yeah, and I'm, a, I'm in favor of supporting small business. And if I hear someone, an owner of a business on a podcast or a radio show that I like, I'm going to buy their product. Yeah. And we try to go out of the way and, um, you know, add a bunch of features that you have to purchase separate from other companies. We added that kind of standard on all of ours and um, try to try to get trendy with the color mixes and things that match cer- certain scenarios well. Um, and in the customization that we're doing now, there's a lot of people that, that hashtag Me Too movement is strong in our industry. And there's a lot of people that's literally their only sales plan is like, hey, go wherever Brian's at and charge $5 less and let's try to customize it. But they can't quite figure out how we're doing it. Mm. But the, the way that we're customizing and the, the detail that we're able to get on some of the stuff. And I think about like, <clears throat> I know I said it's not about what I like. It's about what the customer likes. But I'm always thinking ahead of like, how would I want this to be? So instead of just going the cheap route and buying a a UV printing machine and printing stickers to put, let's say, man overseas, a logo on the lid of a cooler, it'd be like seven bucks to put a sticker on there. It's the cheapest route possible. And some people are, you know, that's they don't care what you support or who you're from or it doesn't matter. Whatever's the cheapest, that's where they're going. We try to go, in my opinion, the best route. And if it costs more money, people are either going to buy it or they won't. We're not going to sink if we stop doing the custom stuff tomorrow. But the the custom route that we're going now is the coolest way to customize a cooler to me. 
Okay, so I'm going to share what you brought us on social media. Can you give me an idea of what that man overseas, what do you call it? Not a cooler, but a... We call it a camp cup. It's a stainless tumbler. It's very slick. And I love that you had the logo engraved. Would that be the way to... Yep, laser engraved. Okay. Give me an idea of what something like that would cost. A standard, just the cup, is $25 on our website. For a logo, a single logo is uh, $8 additional. For a second logo is $5 additional. And then for like the photo wrap cup, that is uh, the cup plus 25 So and it's that's 50 what, total. That's what you got lady overseas, right? Correct. Okay. And that's, it looks beautiful. It's very cool. But it, see the process behind that, and we've had people question this too. Uh, like, man, $50 for a cup. Like, you're paying $40 for that brand's cup with nothing on it, first of all. Second of all, the process to go behind this, the material that we have to spray on this cup is very expensive. And then instead of, uh, you know, 20 seconds in a laser engraver to do a logo, this is 30 minutes in tying up the machine for one item. And there's shop time involved, there's electricity, there's employees, there's a lot of stuff that goes involved with that. But we haven't had anyone complain. In fact, most people that get one, they end up bringing more sales because their friends see it and they want to get a picture. Or it's, a, it's a really sentimental gift. I never thought that I'd make someone cry over an ice chest or a cup, but it's happened way more than I realized it would. Awesome. Which is a crazy feeling. I'll bet. So tell me about logos and how that works. Do you have to get permission if you wanted to put the New Orleans Saints logo on one of those? Definitely. Yeah. And how does that work? It's a licensing process. Same thing. Uh, We're going through the process now for collegiate licensing, and it depends on the school. So uh, like Nichols, because they're local to us, you can't go to Nichols and get permission. You have to go through their, which I forget the name of the company, but it's, it's a collegiate licensing I guess law firm almost, you're going through and selecting all the schools that you want and you're paying whatever the fee set is. And then per? you're paying you're paying a upfront fee and then you're paying a per item sold fee. Whoa. Yeah. So whenever there's items like uh we used to have a real tree license for camouflage. That was by far the most expensive item that we sold with the lowest margin. So mm-hmm. people on the outside probably look at it as all oh, they, you know, they put camouflage on it. They want to upcharge 50 bucks. Like it's costing me $50. <laughs> it's a particular type of camouflage, like a trademark licensed camouflage? pattern. Yes. Wow. So you have, you know, real tree timber or mossy oak bottomlands or, you know, real tree max five for the duck camo or uh, shadow grass. Any of these cryptic, you know, any camo that you can pick you'll see their little logo in there and people love these brands and they follow them. And you know, some people have to have real tree stuff. They won't be caught dead in mossy oak. Some people the opposite, but for us to hydro dip our coolers in that it's, you know, the film for that is a $7 and 50 cents a yard where a typical film of just like the flames might be a dollar a yard. And then you have to ship your components from your manufacturing facility to their facility then you have to pay them to decorate or hydro dip. That's what we're doing here. Then you're paying to ship it back to your facility, then assemble it, then ship it. There's a lot of extra moving parts. There's a lot of expensive material, and there's a lot more labor that goes into that. And then each item you sell carries another 
per item fee. Have you ever turned someone down because of the high cost associated with acquiring We actually shut down our um, real tree license. license, yeah. Okay. And it wasn't because, I mean, it's the diehards wouldn't mind paying the $50 extra for a cooler. But for me, I look at it like I, I always made a pretty decent living and had money to spend on stuff I didn't need. But I'm not paying $350 for a 20-quart ice chest. You know what I mean? Like I, That's how I'm looking at it from when we're pricing and building stuff. Does this make sense? At the time, we're, we do a lot of cross-branding with Realtree and uh, friends with Tyler from Realtree and other other brands that we sponsor, other companies we sponsor have agreements with Realtree. So it just, it, it went, it made the circle complete. I can't have one of our highest paid uh, influencers that's sponsored by Realtree come down and all of our stuff is Mossy Oak. Because then it just, it, not that he would be opposed to using the ice chest or whatever, but he won't, then you're missing out on what you're paying him to do. You're paying him to promote your stuff and he won't promote something that goes against another deal. I like what you said about finding out who the company supports. One charity that I know that you're very supportive of is Upside Downs. Yep. How did you choose that organization in particular? Um, well, people come to us daily. We get the amount of, uh, you never realize how many I guess organizations, how many people with uh, issues that they may, may be doing some sort of fundraiser businesses, you don't realize how much that happens until you own a business that has a product that they want for that. Mm. And Bo Brooks from Upside Downs, you know, he, he met Mitch. Uh, I'm not sure how that all happened. I think he contacted us or somebody through the channels got us linked up. And Bo does some really, really good stuff. Uh, with that organization and one of them being that uh, new parents finding out that their child has Down syndrome, get a basket with, you know, the how to's and what to prepare for because he has a child with Down syndrome. So he's lived it and there was no resources for him. So he wants to be the resource for parents that that's, that's a life changing thing, right? Besides having a child, now you're having a child with something like that and you you just kind of thrown out there like, hey, figure it out. Uh, you know the how-to guides. He he gives them a basket with different treats and stuff. And one of those things being our cups that we engrave his logo on. Um, I think that we just we take these applications and man, we're too giving to be honest with you for the size of the company we are. If uh, if you talk to our CPA, he'd be like, "These dudes give the farm away." You know, it's but. We just take it on a case-by-case basis, and I wish I could tell everybody yes. I wish we could help everybody, but we can't. That's that's the reality of it, and we just try to pick the ones that we feel like would be most impactful. So we won't necessarily donate a cooler or sponsor an event for like a a small-scale thing that we feel like almost like the people just are reaching out because they have something to crutch up asking for a freebie because that happens a lot. Um, but somebody like Bo with an organization like that, that you can feel how genuine he is and you know that it's making an impact. You know, I didn't even know Bo existed. And since then, now I know somebody like I went to school with that found out their child has Down syndrome. Now I see, you know, she has a cup with our logo on it. That's like, I know it's making an impact. So I've, that's a, a good thing, you know, gladly partner up with him. I'm at a point now if, 
I were in South Louisiana, even at an LSU tailgate, and saw a Yeti cooler, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> you, dude, you need to be using a Gator cooler. Are you still only getting three hours sleep? Well, I don't think I slept at all in December. <laughs> Christmas was insane um, because I don't think people realize how small of an operation we have. I think that um, we still get those calls of, like, can I speak to someone in your marketing department or your receiving department or who takes care of this? And it's like, yeah, still me. It's me. <laughs> or, you know, if Mitch gets the phone calls, oh, who can I talk to about that? That's me. Like, it's it's two of us, which Mitch, uh, with his role now in Shell, he's not as active that he wants to be. Um, and then now we do have one employee that we've been training up, um, Alexis. But she's she's there starting to take things off my plate. Is still not, you know, I've been doing it for four years. She's not going to learn it in a month. So Christmas was insane. Uh, this whole year, you know, I'm not going to complain because we have it a lot better than a lot of people. Um, but inventory was tight the whole year. And we got this container right before Christmas. We had one customer that ordered uh, 270 coolers with his logo on the pad and needed them for a certain date to ship out to all of his employees for Christmas. And it's on top of that, you have the website. And on top of that, you have everybody that's learning that we're actually, we have a store here and they're learning what our brand even is because we still never advertise it. I've never been in a position yet where like, okay, the store's open, we have inventory. Let's do a little bit of pushing here and let people know we're here. It's always been like, man, we're sold out. So why, what's the point? Um, I took a week off right after Christmas because I, I think my body made me take a week off. <laughs> I had Good. to I had to recharge, but now I'm I'm trying to get back more on a um a normal a normal business owner schedule. Maybe not not sleeping, but you know, 3 4 5 hours or so. Right now I'm living on goldfish and energy drinks <laughs> and like Cheez-Its and and gummy worms and stuff like that. Uh that's what makes me get out of bed, but no, it's man, I love the growth of the company. And like I'm always, I can't sleep knowing that I have jobs to do, and or even like coming over here. It was it, I told you I can't schedule a day off for me to take off. You're just gonna have to tell me when I need to come, and I'm gonna have to like put it in my mind that's something I have to do. Because even driving over here, I'm like crap, man. I could be doing this on this machine. I can get this order out by tomorrow. You know, I lined Alexis up before I left, but I didn't teach her this machine yet. So she's basically like babysitting the panic button. And if something breaks, hit stop. Seeing the growth of the business. And every time I I see a cooler or a sticker or something like out in the wild, yeah, it, it just relights the fire. I go get crickets from the pet store for our uh, pet uh, bearded dragon. And there was this old truck outside that had... Uh, diamond shaped sticker so I strategically shape the stickers for each item that way when we see them we know what item they have and I asked the guy checking me out I'm like hey is that old Ford outside for somebody he's like oh yes sir that's mine I said man how you like that backpack cooler how you know I got one although I seen the sticker on your back glass say okay and then you notice I have a hat with gator I have a shirt that says gator my hoodie says gator and uh, he's like, oh, you work for them? I'm like, yeah, sometimes just kind of hang out. You know, I don't like go like, oh, yeah, I'm the owner. You know, I like just, yeah, I like to work over there. I like their stuff. And he lights up. And like that's on the inside, that's just fuel for me. But we we don't tell people, um, even my mom doesn't know the scale or the scope of what we're doing. My wife, she probably have a stroke. 
and try not to stress them with any of the crazy part of it. They just they see my excitement, so I think it lets her just keep supporting me. And hopefully she sees a salary that you pay yourself. Finally, yeah. Finally. Yeah. After almost four years. <laughs> wow. So do you have plans for hiring additional help this year? We don't have plans for it. We need it. It's a necessary. Uh, we have a few different avenues that we're opening up to, and it is a must. And I didn't realize how hard this would be to find employees. Um and maybe I'm looking at this wrong, but I've never had to be a boss before. I've always just kind of prided myself in being the employee that all the boss wanted. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm there early and I'm there late and I'm doing maybe not a perfect job, but as best of a job that I can do the entire time I'm there. And I <laughs> I thought that I would just be able to say like, hey, we're hiring and have a line out of the door. And that's not the case at all. But we need help. Um I've, I've, in my mind, I wanted to hire the first person, like uh, Alexis, as like a manager type of position, and I can train them to run anything, do everything, and then whenever her plate's overflowing, then we hire the part-time, like part changer, I guess you can call it, in the laser. You get an order for 200 cups, where you can pay somebody part-time to come over here and just swap a cup and hit start. But I don't want to have to train somebody every week on the back end how do we set this artwork up how do we run the cnc machines how do we operate these lasers um partly because it's a huge waste of time and partly also because there's so many people now that are just like looking for a way to rip you off and i can just go up the street and i guess knock you off you know for a couple dollars cheaper which happens how often are you dealing with banks Mm. Not often enough, I don't think. Because um, I, I know it's easier to build relationships with banks when you're in a small town. You would think. And it, it was. I shouldn't say you would think. It was. We couldn't go to a Chase or a Capital One. Um, when we started, you hear about people arbitrarily posting like, oh, y'all can get this from the SBA or you can go over here and they're giving grants out. And it's not. that's not the case. Like, it's not that simple. There are certain set-asides for certain people, and then there are certain set-asides for certain types of businesses. If they want to grow nurseries in this area, they'll set aside for nurseries, but not necessarily for an ice chest company. So we go to the SBA, and for lack of better words, they basically laughed us out of the door. And, you know, like, hey, y'all have a lot of ambition, but... um, this is kind of a watered-down market. You know, don't really think that it's worth investing in. So then we go to another bank. It was a tough struggle with the bank. It was really hard for me to, to uh, talk to a banker that knows five minutes' worth of my business to tell me what I need and don't need. And that wasn't a pleasant conversation. So we went to another bank that, without hesitation gave us a loan on the spot and that helped us to get to that next plateau you know we maxed that we maxed the potential of that out and then it got to where we are now well the most expensive the biggest expense for a business is generally human resources Mm -hmm. and i guess you're at that point now where you're having to add headcount yeah 
So do you have to, are you going to approach the bank that you've built a relationship with previously to try to grow the business? Or do you go to outside investors, especially some of these who are courting you around the country? I think it's a mixture. So we have we have a few irons in the fire on that side now. We've taken on a handful of investors. And at the same time, we have the possibility of a convertible note. And I didn't know what that was. Uh, Mitch didn't know what that was. I've called into podcasts, you know, investor podcasts, and asked a specific question about it from that and from reading and, you know, Googling and asking everybody I know that might have some money insights. And it's basically hey, this might be a great opportunity for you. It doesn't fit every version, but maybe it'll work for you. As long as all the, the rules are set up front and there's no gray areas that where you can be taken advantage of, I think this might work. Um, and and the guy that we met that's helping us out with this is a fifth or sixth generation owner of his business, a timber company. And he's actually goes around the country advocating for people not selling off parts of their business too early. Mm. And... It's, it's one of those things, man, it might sound crazy, but like you meet somebody and you know they're genuine mm-hmm. and he doesn't know us from Adam and he doesn't need a penny from us and he doesn't need a free cooler and he just wants to help just because we met him through our network and uh, he never went alligator hunting before or wanted to come and we brought him to our camp, shot some alligators, happened to be the best freaking season we've ever had size-wise and it was an amazing trip. He's like, man, I'd... I really want to get involved and help you guys. But I feel like with the money you need to get to the place where you should be right now, I need to buy too much of your equity and I don't want to do that to you. So I'm willing to do A, B, and C for Z. And it's almost one of them deals like I'm looking for the catch. I'm looking for the uh, something doesn't make sense here. But you have enough of us business types that you could go to. and Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I would say that's rare that you would find somebody that you recognize the genuine aspect of their nature right away. Mm-hmm. But down here, it's not rare. I know. Right? I was just thinking when I said that, like uh, Matt Ori is another one. Uh, and the guys I named earlier, Matt Orton, uh, Ori, Barton Howard, Jeremy Landry, um, and I know I'm going to forget some and they're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> but like just from the first conversation, man, it's been, they don't need anything from us. Mm-mm. None of them need a dollar. They're all set. They are very well off successful people that it's, it's, they just want to help. Especially when they see you helping yourself, right? Yeah. You put an effort in and you know, if, if Matt, which he's done a few times or Barton, he's done several times, they drive by on the way back from New Orleans or something, they might pass the shop at midnight and see the door open, the light on. Like, man, he's still in there. Well, yeah, because we have deadlines and, and I have stuff that I need to do. And I get most of my work done from 5 p.m. to midnight because nobody's in my shop. They're not distracting me. Um, I'm not a web designer, but I built everything we have. And I'm not a social media guru, but I do everything we do. And it, I almost need to get in a zone like make a little drink and like chill out and just focus on it. Something as simple as adding a product to our website that should be like three clicks. Mm-hmm. I just can't bring myself to pay someone for that because I'm viewing these investor dollars as like, I don't want to waste their money. 
and I want to put it to the best use. So if I'm capable of doing anything myself, I want to do it. Maybe that's money that goes to paying a salary for another employee that can just amplify what we're doing. Yeah, when I visited your warehouse, you were putting a floor in yourself. It's probably not something you should be doing. <laughs> no, the but floor is uh the floor that was my one and done, I think, on the floor. YouTube is tempting though because <laughs> you can, you can learn anything. anything. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and we have the we have laser engravers and uh CNC machines and any type of saw or drill or anything you could want. So I feel like I can build anything, man, and it's you gotta you gotta stop chasing all the shinies and focus on where you're at. So due to the nature of business and having a profit and loss that you have to keep up with and keep spending under control, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. does that carry over into your personal life? Like, do you have a household budget? Oof, man. I would say until this year, or not like 2021, but this past year, no. Because we, I don't really know how to phrase this, but I never needed to. Did would, you run a deficit or you're just saying your expenses were so low that, that we had everything paid off? Um, I was in a, from my Jerry Springer year, uh, we had a lot of debt and this is how I knew Emily was meant to be. And we we're each other's people. But while we were still dating, she sold her car to finish paying off one of my 35% interest credit cards. Whoa. Yeah. That that so I'm like, okay, one. well now I'm definitely, you know, yeah. this is, this is the one she ain't spending my money. She sold her car to pay off my bills. Um, but you know, we like nice things. We, we work hard for stuff. Um, we get basically at the time, if we want to go somewhere as we go, if we want a new truck, we go buy a new truck. You go anywhere good lately? Lately, no, to the shopping home. <laughs> but uh, we never had to. We were saving some money, but we were just, we were living. And we were living on the road, and everywhere you go, they have opportunities to go see stuff and to go do stuff. And we just took advantage of that while we were traveling. And then now, you know, it took a $125,000 pay cut to do this full time. And yeah meaning that you had a salary of that size more than what i'm making now yeah oh wow do you invest any of your money outside of your own business now now no right so right now like i said ever since this last year it's it's definitely a change for us because we went from you know very comfortable traveling a lot for work everything basically paid off to now we have a house note now we have kids in private school other bills associated with the house, the insurances, the land taxes. Louisiana is insane on taxes. So all these things, now we're more of a, not necessarily like don't buy groceries till Friday thing, but <laughs> definitely watching it more because like we're all in on the business. And I don't. the last thing I want to do is put us in a bad spot to where I'm watching my kids grow up through my telephone again and I'm living in my camper on the other side of the country. And my business failed because I couldn't stop doing stupid stuff. And I I love and hate listening to some of your podcasts because you talk about, you know, saving money and being frugal and not buying the car. Well, we bought the car. <laughs> it's uh, I look back and think, like, man, over the last 10 years, made probably $2.5 million. Where's it at? You know, we had land paid off. We had vehicles paid off. We we had a great life together, traveling around, doing stuff. Um, three kids are not cheap. But also just a, a giving nature of both myself and my wife, helping people out along the way. 
a lot of that has kind of gotten budgeted down ever mm. since we started Gator full-time because Emily still doesn't work full-time. Uh, she she does do some odd and end things, making gifts with some of our equipment at Gator, things like that. <clears throat> but we have three kids, so it's, it's tough to just inject yourself into a position where I can go to work. What do we do with the kids? Or do you work just to pay for child care? Some of it doesn't make sense. And and really, like, we, we made a decision when we got married that as long as we can afford it, as long as I can do it realistically, we want to raise our kids a certain way and uh, be around structure. And she's been holding that down. That's, that is her, like, job for us. What about raising your kids in the Catholic Church like a lot of people do? In South Louisiana, is that where your kids are going to school? Is a Catholic school? So that is a huge difference between uh, South Louisiana, like where I'm raised, and where she was raised in Southern Mississippi. And for her, it was a Pentecostal church. And I don't know if you know much about Pentecostal churches. I do. They're they don't cut different. their hair. Right? They're a lot different. They than don't Catholic watch TV. Churches. <laughs> Depends on how strict the ones you go to, right? Yeah. But when you're traveling all over the country and you're in small town Pennsylvania in the middle of a cornfield and you're just Googling Pentecostal church, you end up in some scary places sometimes. And you also end up in some great places sometimes. We made lifelong friends at, you know, through church all over the country. But that's the, that's the I guess, the foundation that our marriage is based on and just that lifestyle. We've never been to people to really go out. It was... We know we have church on this day, so we're not even planning anything about going around this or straying from that. Uh, My wife's really active in our church that we found home, and our kids love it. The kids, I would much rather be very, very busy and have our children there with other kids at church and doing stuff outside of church with that group than them wanting to just wander or just watch TV or just, you know, hang out. Yeah. Okay, you ready to do some fun questions? Ready. Social media, net positive or net negative for society? It probably started off as a positive, and I think that now it's a swinging negative. Will you let your kids use social media once they reach a certain age? When they reach a certain age, yes, but my kids are the kids that don't have iPads or iPhones or spend countless hours fighting over the iPad and stuff like that now. Like, we don't let the screens raise them. What's the best donut you've ever had? Oh, man. The best donut was a small town, Otumwa, Iowa. It's like a little deli that we'd go eat breakfast at every morning before work. And then on the weekends, me and Emily would take the kids over there. They had this uh, Oreo something. It was very good. But it was like a small town type of, you know, handmade, not a commercial deal. If you had a, a kegerator on site at your warehouse, which brand of beer would you fill it with? Oh, man, that's tough. There's so many uh, little small breweries and stuff now. Um, I'd have to say something from my brother from uh, Side Hustle Brews. would be one of his. Nice. What is the one piece of travel equipment that you would recommend to someone if they only had $100 to spend? Travel equipment. That's a good one. I think the the main thing that I probably could not have gotten around was some sort of GPS. Which comes with our phones pretty much nowadays. It, well, yeah, now it does. Yep. Do you have a favorite book? At the shop, I do listen to podcasts and audiobooks all the time. Um, 
Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've listened to a lot of Bill O'Reilly's Killing series. Uh, those are pretty good. I, I don't. I like like information, yeah. informative stuff. I don't really like the dragons, queens fiction. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same way. I've heard Bill Bill O'Reilly's books are really good. I've never. I've only read one of them. I, for whatever reason, I'm turned off by the fact that he's the author. I don't I know. know. <laughs> it is strange. It is. And it's almost like a, a ploy for money or something, but it's some good stuff to me. Yeah, it's like applying his name to a book in order to generate sales and revenue. Yeah. yeah. Do you think Jeffrey Tubin of CNN should have been fired for accidentally exposing himself on a Zoom call? A thousand percent. Really? You think yeah, he should have been fired? Definitely. Because if I think if it wasn't Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, and if it was Sean Hannity on Fox, he would have been hung. I think there's a massive double standard, and I also think it's, like, crazily inappropriate, <laughs> just to be honest there. I mean, it, there's whether it was an accident or on purpose, like, uh, what are you doing? Was the election stolen? Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you want to get political right here at the end. <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, I do. I was uh, fortunate enough to be behind the scenes in Georgia a couple of weeks ago with some people that happened to be, let's say, very close to the current administration at all levels. In Georgia? Or, yes. Okay. No, across the country, but I was at an Federal. event in Georgia. Okay. And... There's no doubt in my mind. But I told them, they're like, oh, no, Trump's going to still be the president. No, he's not. You know why? Because the government is not going to allow this can of worms that we've created get opened. So do you feel like Trump didn't do enough to preempt all of this trouble that he believes I has think transpired? I probably took it for granted that it just wasn't going to be enough that that what was being planned and what was being some of it was just straight up sneaky uh that probably was missed but i think that he probably took it for granted that people just love him so much because when you man you look at anything and there's more trump supporters heckling joe biden at any of his events than anything else like there's no way he isn't a shot right so he probably just was pushing it off you know not a big deal not a big deal and i think they underestimated the ability of certain people in certain states and also think personally think that there's a long game that's been happening for at least 15 years of strategically getting people to move from certain strongholds to other weak areas to build them up in swing areas politically. The only indication I got of what you're talking about is when I watched 60 Minutes and they showed the sole Republican observer of the Philadelphia elections. Mm -hmm. His name was Al Schmidt. I recommend anybody go back and watch that segment. The guy that's not a Republican. He is. It's clear <laughs> he is not a Republican. Yes. I've never seen somebody who is not Republican. So obviously not Republican. And I asked my wife, I said, hey, I want you to take a look at this clip and tell me what you think. And she said... Well, that's just somebody who's not honest. Yeah. And I thought, oh. She said, yeah, he's just sneaky. He's Yeah. And, and you can tell by his facial expressions, the micro expressions on his face. It's, yeah. so, it's so icky. But that's interesting. So I know that you're a deeper thinker than most. Mm -hmm. I think you, you're a thoughtful person. So I want to ask you some deeper questions. Do you think not wanting something is just as good as having it? I don't think so. 
No. You care to elaborate? I think that uh, some people not wanting something, it just kind of you just kind of drift out there. Doesn't matter. But if you want something and you don't have it, for me, the stuff that I that I want that I don't have, I'm working towards. It like gives me a reason to wake up. Is goals uh, something to look forward to? But if I don't know that I want it, I don't I don't work for so you, progression. You don't feel like desire is suffering in any way? No, I don't look at it like that. If you could organize a dinner party of six guests and have either everyone that you've ever hurt or everyone that's ever hurt you, which would you choose? I would probably say the people that I've hurt because um, I, I talk about this a lot with Emily whenever I'm struggling through customer service <laughs> with Gator, right? Something that could be super impactful in somebody's day or their life even is probably a blip on the map in my day. And I don't even realize that I'm hurting someone or maybe upsetting them for whatever reason. Um, maybe they caught me at a bad time where my machine just crashed and I got 12 emails, all of my phones are ringing, and I got three people standing there staring me in the face, and they're calling to ask about a sticker that fell off or something. And I might just blow them off, and to them, you know, oh, screw this guy. And it, you know, forever, now I'm a butthole to them. <laughs> and yeah. I, that's not my intention at all. So I think I would, I don't really, I say I have one feeling left and it doesn't get hurt. So <laughs> I, I don't really, I couldn't think of six people that hurt me, to be honest with you. I don't let stuff bother me much, but I, I would like to talk to the people I've hurt. Is the customer always right? No, absolutely not. Have you heard of a book called The E-Myth Revisited? No. Highly recommend it. Michael Gerber is the author, and it talks about why the baker, who is an excellent baker, shouldn't always own a bakery. That a lot of times, if they're really skilled, what ends up happening is they own a job, mm -hmm. and th that doesn't allow them to delegate in ways that they should. So then they end up doing accounting and things like that, mm -hmm. and it ends up consuming their life. So I always recommend to small business owners to, to check out that book. It's really good. If someone offered you $100,000 worth of one of these stocks, which would you take? Spotify, Tesla, and or Amazon? I would say probably Amazon. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, I don't think, I think that Tesla, you know, could go either way. Technology can change, and maybe you know the need for those aren't there. Uh, Spotify. You use Spotify? Yeah, I do. Uh, just recently, actually. Mm. But um, nobody, Amazon's not going away. Shopping and the convenience and the speed and everything being available at a fair price. I don't. I don't think that's going away. I think that's actually going to be a huge uh, competitor another company coming to the United States to compete with Amazon to knock out a bunch of retail grocery included. It's so easy to see how people would cater to China because of the massive opportunity for growth. Well, I mean, China gets a bad rap for right, for, you know, good cause. Um, I don't disagree with that. And actually, even though uh, Donald Trump's policies literally cost us tens of thousands of dollars as a business. I 100% agree that they've been taking advantage of the country. But also on the other side, if you're going to complain about that, when are we going to start holding the politicians liable? Because it's decades worth of 
brother-in-law deals and bad policy and taxes and fees that's literally pushed businesses like mine into needing another place to go Mm. because and at that same token companies like amazon literally changed the country and it changed the mindset of generations of people because now we have entire groups of people that don't know anything about driving 45 minutes to walmart brick and mortar they but they know that they can go to amazon and get anything delivered in two days for a good price so they they want you know, and we went through this for a while too. They want every cooler that we have available at any gas station local to them for the cheapest price possible, melted by their cousin Charlie. Mm. And it's, you know, going to China for our products um, was a necessary thing because of the policies of our leaders here over the last few decades. Everybody I know with a small business has their product manufactured in China. Yeah. But on the sales side, as a business, they have 1.3 billion people in their country. And so I think that's why we see the general manager of the Houston Rockets just completely make an ass of himself mm-hmm. talking about Hong Kong. Right. You think COVID was deliberate? Yes, I do. And I think that it's still being uh, used politically. If China were at war with us, do you think we would know it? No. Do you know Jack Ma, the CEO of Alibaba, is missing right now? Really? I didn't know that, but I, I did uh, read about Alibaba wanting to come to the United States and rival Amazon, and that would uh, that would put a lot of businesses out, mm. including like grocery delivery, testing out drone stuff right now. Like it's. I think, like, within the next five to seven years, that would be a a crazy jump. Much of Amazon's business is Amazon Web Service. That's where a lot of their Mm -hmm. revenue comes from, Amazon Web Services. And this just out this morning, China has disallowed Amazon Web Services to use their logo in China because they have some other sort of business that starts with an A and a W and an S. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you, if LSU could sign Ed Ogeron to a 10-year deal or Nick Saban to a three-year deal, <laughs> which would you choose? Man, that's tough. That's a, uh, that's a gut punch. I think um, even though you can't fault Nick for wanting to, uh, I guess, better himself as the local guy, and he's, he's loyal so far you know i'm not saying that if somebody came wave a fat check in front of them and gave them a better opportunity i wouldn't hold them back you know you can't get mad at people for bettering themselves but he hasn't done that yet so i think so far the loyalty um and just ed being local it's crazy i don't think there'd be anybody that could do it maybe the university of texas i don't know man it's i don't think the notre dame job is a better job no ohio state probably not a better job yeah, it would have to be somebody like Florida or Alabama mm-hmm. or maybe Georgia who wanted to better their program. I think we'll hold on to him, right? I mean, there's nobody yeah. more LSU than no. Ed Ogeron. Go no. Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last question. How can people connect with you online? Uh, the primary way is for catch us on Instagram or Facebook at uh, Gator Coolers, G-A-T-R-C-O-O-L-E-R-S, um, or our website, GatorCoolers.com. We have several different tabs on there to contact us through emails. 
or we even have a live chat button newly implemented onto our website from 7 to 7. I tried it this morning. Really? Yeah, I got distracted and had to go do something, but I was going to ask them. I think I was going to ask them what differentiated them from Yeti coolers just to to report back to you what they say. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you being here, man. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Friends, thank you for tuning in. I've long said the most precious thing we have besides each other is time. Therefore, I don't take it lightly that you've chosen to spend your time with us. If you enjoyed this episode with Brian, please copy the link and share it with your partners, as Brian would say. And if you wish to follow my adventures on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at man underscore overseas. Thank you, folks.